0: Welcome back into the Nick Bob Podcast. It's kind of that purgatory, nothing part of the calendar in the world of sports as we're in the middle of July. And as we're all kind of now just waiting for college football camps to start up and football to begin. So... This time of year, you really start to get excited about the season and what it's going to look like. Year one for Matt Rule. Year ones are always interesting on a variety of levels. Speaking of year one, I heard this question asked a few weeks ago on Sports Talk Radio. um, Basically asking the question of, hey, how is this year one for Rule different than past coaches at Nebraska And they're year ones. And that kind of got my gears turning, got my mind rolling. So interesting to unpack. So I'm going to get into that on this pod. And I also got an email from a listener about the ceiling and the floor for Nebraska football this season. I'm going to get into all of that on the pod today. Reminder, real quick, to make sure you subscribe to the podcast, give it a five-star rating and a nice review. It all helps. I certainly always appreciate your guys' support uh, of the pod. And remember... You can email me, nick at nickbaugh.com. Email me anytime your thoughts. And that's where we'll start today because speaking of emails, I got this email from Austin. says, Nick, love the pod. Never miss an episode. Thanks, Austin. I was talking with some friends, and we were arguing about the floor and the ceiling for Nebraska football this year and wanted your take. What do you think is Nebraska's floor for number of wins and ceiling for number of wins? Thanks, Austin. Okay ceiling and floor for year one under Matt rule let's start positive huh let's go let's go the ceiling ceiling for this team I think the ceilings eight wins I'm gonna go with eight and let me let's start with with this before we go any further I think even though when you're talking about ceiling, we're kind of talking about like, man, best case scenario, this goes right, this goes right, this player has a good year, this guy stays healthy, whatever. Even in, in going down that path, I do think we all need to take a deep breath and have a nice dose of reality of what the last six years have really been like and and really even beyond that. Nebraska hasn't had a winning season in six years. Nebraska hasn't been to a bowl game in six years. Nebraska's win total the last six years. Four wins, four wins, five wins, three three wins, three wins, four wins. Nebraska, since 2016, has only been ranked one time. And it was in 2019's preseason poll. Remember, people were kind of chugging the Frost Kool-Aid. Year two for Frost, Nebraska was ranked 24th heading into the year other than that that's the only time they've even sniffed the top 25 so we we got to start everything from that reality this has been a struggling program in just winning football games so to sit here today and say i think this team's going to win you know could win 9 10 11 games even in a hypothetical best case podcast scenario seems a little far fetched and not rooted in reality of the moment, so I think I think we got to start with that when setting that ceiling number for for this topic for Nebraska year one under Matt rule. So even in the conjuring up of the best case scenario of things, I still think it's got to be somewhat rooted in reality. You know, I mean, sure, could we sit here and say hypothetically Nebraska, hey, they could beat Michigan, hey, it could happen. Well, yeah, it could, but it but come on, we got to we also got to operate with a sense of reality with this thing too. Okay, I wanted to preface everything with that. So I look at the ceiling for this team next year. I see eight. I think the ceiling's eight wins. I look at it like this. You got two pretty easy non-conference home games in Louisiana Tech and Northern Illinois coming to town. I think those are, are – and then you have another, then another road non-conference game against a team in Colorado that was probably the worst Power 5 team in the country. Last year, so that game is winnable as well. So if you look at the non-con, it's really not that hard to see Nebraska going three and zero in the non-conference portion of the schedule. So you look at it. This is how I kind of broke it out. You look at the non-con. You look at the home conference slate, and you look at the road conference slate. I just laid out the non-con, and then we look at the home conference slate. You got home games against Michigan, Northwestern, Purdue, Maryland, and Iowa. And if you kind of just go through it realistic, you go, okay, Michigan, let's just, that's a loss. Let's just put that in the L column. But then when you look at the four teams of Northwestern at home, Maryland at home, Purdue at home, Iowa at home, I mean, there's a world where Nebraska can beat all four of those teams. Northwestern has been awful for two years. And, you know, as I'm recording this, the news kind of broke uh, uh, about 24 hours ago uh, with the the hazing allegations going on at Northwestern. And, I mean, who knows if Pat Fitzgerald is going to be the head coach when the season starts in the wake of this hazing story. So, Northwestern's been bad. Now they got a lot of drama around the program. Purdue has a new coach, a first-time head coach in young but – Pretty good defensive coordinator from Illinois, Ryan Walters, but first-time head coach. He's young. They got to replace their quarterback as well. Maryland is Maryland. They're they're good, not great. They got a pretty good quarterback in Tonga Viola, but they aren't they aren't world beaters, right? And then Nebraska beat Iowa last year, and there is still a little bit of a an a, a disaster on offense until proven otherwise. Right now, Iowa's so. All those teams, as I kind of lay it out, they're all a little vulnerable in my opinion, right? A Little vulnerable. So, could I see everything going great for Nebraska where hey, maybe Jeff Sims is maybe Jeff Sims is that dude, right? He's rolling. He's a true dual threat. He gets his accuracy up. He's hurting people running the football. He stays healthy that Stable of defensive backs are are a year older, a year better. Newsom, Hartsaw, Gifford, Miles Farmer, Buford—maybe all those guys are are rock solid. Nebraska stable of running backs: Gabe Irvin, Anthony Grant. Those guys maybe they're they're finding their way. Maybe the offensive line is improved and healthy. Ben Scott helps. Teddy Prohaska is healthy. Nuili is healthy, or not healthy but eligible like maybe all those things are happening I could see maybe hey mate things are going extremely well for Nebraska Memorial Stadium is a hornet's nest it's rocking again and maybe Nebraska goes 4 and 1 in those 5 home conference games maybe they lose to Michigan but they they find a way to beat those other 4 teams so l- let's 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 keep going down that path let's say Nebraska goes 4 and 1 in their home conference slate goes three and oh in their non-con that's seven wins right there in this scenario and then just to get to eight they would need to steal one road conference game and those road games are at minnesota at illinois at michigan state at wisconsin that's four the four road conference games can nebraska steal one of those games I think so. Again, a little bit of vulnerability with some of these teams. Illinois loses their defensive coordinator, who we just talked about at, at the head coach of Purdue now, and they lose a ton of their stars on defense and their stud running back, Chase Brown. Wisconsin is undergoing a complete transformation in identity and blueprint. There's a world where they struggle with that. Michigan State lost their quarterback in the portal this spring. It's been a little up and down. And, I mean, the road game at Minnesota is a, is a really tall task to have your very first you know that that starts the year taking on the taking on PJ Fleck and his crew. They did lose their all time leading rusher in Mo Ibrahim, so they got some questions as well. But could Nebraska steal one of those games? Be at eight wins in this kind of scenario that I'm that I'm conjuring up? I think if all the things kind of click for Nebraska, it's certainly possible. Go three and zero in the non-con. Go four and one in your home conference games. Go one and three in road conference games. Boom, that's eight wins right there. Or maybe the more realistic scenario is you go three and two in your home conference games, and two and two on your road conference games, and that's how you get to eight. But I think the key in reaching this "quote unquote" ceiling is going three and zero in the in the non-con. Just kind of feels like any path to arriving at eight wins likely has three and zero in the non-con in that equation. So to me, the the ceiling season looks like this. Maybe you lose a tough one at Minnesota, but then you beat Colorado on the road. Then you come home, you hammer Northern Illinois at home, and you hammer Louisiana Tech at home. Maybe you play Michigan tough at home but lose. Then you lose a close one at Illinois, but then you beat Northwestern at home, you beat Purdue at home, you win a close one at Michigan State, you beat Maryland at home, maybe you lose a tough one at wisconsin and you beat iowa at home to end the year that's that's 8 wins right there that's 8 and 4 that's 8 and 4 last thought on the ceiling what could really tell the tale of this season once again really and this can go either way but i'm just we're talking at the ceiling portion of this what could really tell the tale once again is one score games close games for as much as nebraska has had issues and been on the struggle bus one score one score games are one score games and they are what they are they it means you were right there nebraska they still were right there in almost every game for 5 years under frost last 5 seasons the last 5 seasons for nebraska nebraska is 7 and 25 in one score games F- scott frost was 5 and 22 in one score games mickey joseph was 2 and 3 in one score games as the interim head coach for a grand total over the last 5 years 7 and 25 in one score games the question is it's maybe the most fascinating thing for me to look for this year. With a new head coach and Matt Rule, a new voice, a new leader, a new way of managing things at the end of games, can Nebraska flip the script in close games? My guess is Nebraska's going to be in seven, eight, nine close games this year, one-score games, where you're sitting there, you're watching, there's five, six minutes left, and it's a one-score game how does nebraska fare in those scenarios how nebraska does in those one score games is likely shapes the season for them reaching the ceiling or falling down to the floor cuz that's kind of that's how you would in a short way of describing what's gone wrong in the last 5 years you kind of go well they were terrible and it, they played a lot of close games and lost them all and that's how they've been winning four games and three games and three games so for Nebraska to to, to hit that ceiling, one-score games. Side note, is it still just amazing to say out loud? Last five years, Nebraska 7-25 in one-score games. That's hard to do. To play in 32 one-score games and win seven of them? <laughs> it's, it's almost unfathomable. Almost unfathomable, right? It it really is. Seven and twenty-five. I mean again, there's that, that whole anecdote of across the twenty twenty one and twenty two twenty two season, Nebraska endured a stretch losing seven games in a row by single digits. That's the longest single digit losing streak in the AP poll era. Just wild, right? So, ceiling, I I see eight wins. I think the floor is three wins. I do think, unfortunately, there is a world where this ends up going poorly and it's similar to Rule's first season at Temple or first season at Baylor and Nebraska really struggles. I think there's a world where Nebraska's three wins are Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech and maybe Northwestern at home and that's it. Or maybe instead of beating Northwestern at home, you beat Colorado on the road. I think that's possible. As much as that hurts to say and it may hurt to hear, it's possible. Like I said at the beginning, Nebraska hasn't been to a bowl game in six years. I mean, Nebraska's record in one-score games, just we just talked about it. I mean, they haven't won those games. And this roster, at least on paper, I mean, isn't great who on this roster can you say with definitive certainty will be drafted next year? Who on this roster can you say for sure that's a first-team All-Big Ten guy right there? I I don't know. So when you look at the the floor, I think the floor, the, the bad scenario, kind of unfolds like this. Jeff Sims either really struggles continues to struggle with accuracy, just struggles, or gets hurt, which is possible because they're going to be running him quite a bit. And now you're throwing Harburg or Chubba Purdy back out there. Maybe both the offensive and defensive line really struggle, which is entirely possible because on paper, neither side on the ball looks great. Maybe Nebraska lacks a true dynamic home run hitter on offense in terms of its stable of weapons. Maybe Nebraska's group of running backs, are all solid, but they don't have a true star there. Maybe Nebraska's issue in close games continues. Maybe Nebraska struggles with the system changes on offense and defense. And maybe the coaching staff takes a few lumps with some of their inexperience. That's the recipe for issues this year. And then, and then you add – the fact that nebraska starts it's you know they start the year first two games on the road and they have to play michigan in week 5 so maybe nebraska starts 0 and 2 and goes 2 and 3 in the first 5 games and and gets smashed by michigan and they get some of the wind taken out of their sails that that's entirely possible too like the floor the floor The floor season unfolds like this, in my opinion. Nebraska starts the year, they go get smashed at Minnesota. And then they follow up week two and they lose a tough one at Colorado. Maybe Coach Prime gets them, the environment gets them or whatever. They they lose a tough one at Colorado. Then maybe they, they go and they beat Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech at home. And then they get crushed by Michigan at home. Then maybe they go on the road and they lose a tough one at Illinois. Then maybe they come back and they beat Northwestern at home. They lose a close one to Purdue at home. They lose at Michigan State. They maybe Tongue of Iola comes to, to town and leads the Terps. And Maryland steals one at Memorial Stadium. Nebraska loses to Maryland. Maybe they they get beat by a pretty good Wisconsin team and then lose a heartbreaker at home to Iowa. Like maybe th- that's that's this the floor season right there. Maybe Nebraska starts two and four and just has a hard time kind of getting any confidence or momentum and just kind of limps through the season and ends three and nine. That's certainly possible. There's a world where that's happened. How do I know that? Because it's been it's been happening. Now I wouldn't predict it. I think Nebraska is right in that five to six win range. But I, but to me, the ceiling is three wins. Or excuse me, the floor is is three wins, and the ceiling is eight wins. That's the range to me. Everything things go right, you 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 have some vulnerable teams on their schedule. A lot of people going through some changes in in the Big Ten on Nebraska schedule. Maybe Nebraska gets to eight wins, gets eight and four. But there's a world where things go wrong. Jeff Sims gets hurt. Jeff Sims struggles. There's issues on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And Nebraska only wins three games. That's how I would answer that question. Ceiling, eight wins. Floor, three wins. Okay, let me shift to this. Speaking of the the upcoming season, year one under Matt Rule. Year ones are always so interesting on a variety of reasons. And unfortunately, we've all gotten very used to year ones here at Nebraska because there's been so much coaching turnover uh, in particular over the last decade. Uh, And I heard that question on the radio and it kind of got my thoughts going a little bit of like, how is this year one for rule different than the previous coaches year one? And so I kind of thought, okay, I want to go coach by coach. And hell, we can go back to Tom Osborne if you want because, you know, I mean, in all reality, him and Frank's, situations are similar in terms of their year ones to a certain extent but so okay let's kind of go through each coaching transition year one and examine it and then kind of look at rules as well so okay the year is is uh let's go all the way back to to the 70s here let's go all the way back to 1973 here comes Tom Osborne Taken over for Bob Devaney. Bob Devaney had won two national titles in the last three years before retiring. Bob Devaney had beaten Oklahoma three of the last four years, too, which mattered a ton because of that rivalry. So the bar was high. The standard that Tom Osborne was walking into was, hey, beat Oklahoma, contend for a national title. Year one, Tom Osborne, Nebraska was preseason ranked fourth in the country heading into the year. So, top five team heading in. So, yeah, expectations were high. The standard was high. Now, at least Tom Osborne, you know, he's a Nebraskan. He had proven himself as the offensive coordinator at Nebraska and winning a couple of titles. And he was also the handpicked guy by Bob Devaney. So, the approval was there from the fan base. But certainly... You know, tough task when you kind of frame year one to keep the success train rolling and keep winning big. You're taking over for what at the time was the best coach. You know, Bob Devaney was on top of the, of the of the game. That's hard. So year one, pretty challenging for Tom Osborne. Frank Solich then takes over for Tom Osborne in 1998. I mean, you know how that was. I mean, Tom Osborne was the foot was football god at the time at the collegiate level three national titles in a, in the final four years the standard was to continue the machine for frank like continue the to dominate college football and win national championships i am trying to f- fully remember what people actually expected in 1998 year 1 for for solage I know what the expectation was generally speaking. I mean, just anecdotally, it's like I mean, people were stunned when Nebraska lost to Arizona State in ninety six, like legitimately shocked. Losing it just got to the point where you just it didn't happen. So there was this expectation to win every game. Right? But at the same time, and you know, you're you're losing Frost and Amon Green and Jason Peter and those guys, and I, I don't know if I don't know. It's hard to know. Like I don't. I don't know if people fully thought another title was on deck, but nevertheless, like Nebraska, they were preseason ranked fourth in the country heading into the nineteen ninety eight season. So at the same time, you're a preseason top five team. Like you have national championship aspirations. So framing it in that way, you're taking over for for the the goat in the moment of college football coaches and Tom Osborne, you're taking over for a legend three national championships in a four-year span was what you were then dealing with and the expectations were probably to win another title your preseason top five team in the country right or wrong losing you have to figure out the quarterback you got Bobby Newcomb you got all but year one how you frame it for Frank hard extremely hard. Now, it helped that he inherited kind of like, you know, the the machine was rolling, right? Like he got handed the keys to the car that was humming along. But nevertheless, a lot of pressure there. Tons of pressure there. Not sure there was a more pressure-packed situation. I mean, you go to in the history of, like, college sports, like what Frank had to take over and keep rolling, that's hard. Extremely hard. So that was kind of year one for Frank. Year one for then Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan takes over for Frank Solich. Obviously, lots of angst going around Husker Nation during this time. Fan base, big time divided. Some were totally angry at the firing of Frank, changing the blueprint, changing the identity. Some, there were some that were ready for a change and thought the program needed to evolve, and then they were intrigued with an NFL head coach coming to town. But still, very tense, very uneasy, very divided fan base. I mean, think about it. For the first time in 40 years, there was someone new and outside of the family tree coaching Nebraska. And that made a lot of people uneasy, especially they were coming in with a totally new plan. And what's hard is I do think people heading into that first year for Callahan, I think people knew that it would take a bit to change the personnel for the offense, right? This wasn't back in the portal area where you could just go get a guy and bring him in. You can't go get a Casey Thompson who is the starter at Texas and have him come start for you immediately, right? That's not how things worked. So I think people knew that, hey, this is going to be a little bit of a transition, going to be some growing pains. But I will say, the idea of not making a bowl game, that felt laughable. Felt laughable. Nebraska was just a couple of years removed playing for the national title. They still were not that far removed from, from winning three titles in four-year span. So the standard was really high. So year one for Bill Callahan was a tough one. First of all, he had to he had to win a good chunk of the fans over who have seen college football dominance, the likes of which no one has ever seen in a 40-year stretch, done a certain way, and then convince them that his way is better. I mean, think about it. Bill Bill Callahan to Husker fans and to Nebraska football fans across the the country had to be like, Hey, how you guys doing? Bill Callahan here. Um So, listen, man, I know you guys have won five national titles in, like, the last, like, 30 years or whatever it is, last three decades and been the standard of excellence in college football, but um, I have a better way of doing things. I I have the better idea of how to do it. So, have you guys ever seen a tight end pre-snap shift? (laughs) Yeah. You guys ever thrown the ball 55 times in a game? You ever seen that before? Yeah. It's pretty good. Is that right? Just picture like a bunch of people, a bunch of Husker fans and overalls and arms crossed. Like, n- no. <laughs> it's a tough one to navigate, right? Got to win over the fans. And again, not making a bowl game for the first time since the 60s. Yeah, right. right I, it, it is a tough task at hand. You had to flip the entire roster to fit what you wanted to. You had to win over the fans. And... You had to win football games. By the way, Nebraska was unranked in the preseason poll for year one under Callahan, but nevertheless, the standard and the expectations were high, and the 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 emotion and vibe around the program was bad. So, year one for Callahan, hard one to deal with. When you think about Bo Polini's first year. So Bo Pelini takes over for Bill for Bill Callahan. You know what's funny? <laughs> what's what's funny about reflecting on this moment? Bo Pelini taking over for Callahan. The 07 season comes and unfolds and happens, and then then you know Bill Callahan gets fired. Then here comes Bo Pelini. LSU just won a national championship. Bo was the defensive coordinator. All that stuff. Like what's what's funny about reflecting on this moment was Nebraska fans, including me. I'm not trying to separate myself from, from the, Nebraska fans thought that Bill Callahan in that 2007 season with the Bill Callahan era was the absolute rock bottom for the program like most Husker fans thought this was it. It can't get worse than this. Complete bottom out it it's not even it's incomprehensible how things could get worse than this. That was what people thought. Oh, I can't get worse than this. And in my opinion, clearly, it did get worse than this. Clearly, Nebraska, in my opinion, hadn't hit the real rock bottom. The end of the Riley era, even the end of the Frost era, were further down in terms of rock bottom. But what's amazing is to think of like, boy, I can't get worse than this. And this isn't meant to be like defend Bill Callahan. But what's amazing is Nebraska was only one year removed from playing in the Big Twelve Championship in 2006. They played Oklahoma in the Big Twelve Championship game, and then Nebraska was preseason ranked 20th in the country heading into the 2007 season, and got off to an OK start. Now they got rocked by USC and all that stuff, right? Like I get up, but USC was like the the top dog. And, but Nebraska still won five games in 2007. Now, they were a, it was a travesty defensively by the end of the year. But it's just, I don't know, it's interesting to think about, like, man, it can't get much worse than this. Just a year removed from playing in the Big 12 title. They had won the bowl game, what they had won the Alamo Bowl in 05 or whatever it was. Might have, It might have been 06, can't remember now. So it's not like it was just, like, void of anything that was going well. So it's just funny to reflect on that now. Like, in the moment, you were like, could this be worse? I mean, can you believe how bad this is? You know, people from the Riley era, from the future, Frost era for the future, show up and like, yeah, yeah, it can. It can. Trust me. So living in the moment, it felt like things couldn't get worse. But so, but, but Pelini shows up, rock star defensive coordinator, former Nebraska defensive coordinator, totally different than kind of the robot Bill Callahan. He was tough. Old school, fiery coach, lots of emotion. He was widely accepted with open arms and support. Keep in mind, Tom Osborne was the athletic director at the time. He hires Bo, so you have the legend picking Bo. There's that element of it. So there there was a lot of excitement around Bo in his first year. But Bo's... Year one was, you know, it's, it, it still was interesting. Like, again, mostly met with approval. He took over a program that the fans thought was at rock bottom, so any improvement would likely get met with support, but at the same time, they're a little jaded with what rock bottom was, right? So in that way, Bo's year one was kind of nice, right? He also he had a quarterback in Joe Gans. Bill Callahan had actually recruited pretty well, so he had some talent. And most importantly, there was this guy named Dominican Sue on the roster. Perhaps you've heard of him. Pretty good situation to walk into. The only issue was that Nebraska fans still looked in the mirror, and not saying they were wrong to think this way at the time, because I know I did. Nebraska fans still looked at themselves in the mirror and viewed themselves like a top program in terms of winning. Like they still felt like winning nine games was a minimum expectation. So in that regard, that is a challenging thing to navigate for for year one. So it's good. Like Polini inherited a situation where he's handpicked by the legend. A lot of the fans liked him. Uh there was there was some talent there. He had a quarterback, he had a star on defense in Sue. Even though Sue really wasn't Sue until Bo showed up. But nevertheless, it was there. Nebraska was unranked in the preseason poll to start Bo's first year in two thousand eight. But all in all, you think about all that stuff, fairly manageable year one for, for Bo on a variety of levels. Expectation was still there, but a pretty good situation. Then you think about 2015. Mike Riley takes over for Bo. Ooh, this was a brutally tough year one to walk into for Mike Riley. The drama of Nebraska football had reached its peak. In many ways, Nebraska football had become political. Instead of Democrats and Republicans, you had Bo Pelini fans and then the anti-Bo Pelini crowd. And boy, they didn't like each other. And it was toxic, really toxic. And Bo's personality only stoked the flames of that even more, that toxicity. So Bo Pelini gets fired. He was kind of felt like a dead man walking for two years. So just like the, the, the emotion and the walking on eggshells and the tension just was... It was crazy. I can't express the tension for two years. But Bo gets fired. And then Nebraska hires quite possibly the most underwhelming who the hell is that guy imaginable in 60-year-old Mike Riley from Oregon State? Again... I, I, the news broke when I was doing my radio show at the time at 1620, I was live on the radio. I was just about to bring on Jason Peter. Like he was, a, I literally, was like, coming up next, Jason Peter. We come back here. And during a commercial break, the, the news breaks, I'm like, Mike Riley. I had to Google Mike Riley. I was like, who the fuck is Mike Riley? I think a lot of people had to do that because at that point you had, you, people had listed, there were, 30 to 40 names thrown out like well, what about this guy what about this guy you know every bleacher report here are 25 here are 10 candidates for the nebraska job si here are 10 candidates like you you'd stockpile all the names that people are throwing against the wall nobody threw mike riley's name out nobody and i'll never forget i brought on jason peter and i was like all right jason news just broke Mike Riley is, now is, is been named the new head coach. What's your reaction? And Jason goes, WTF. I was like, perfect. Perfect answer. But I'd say most Husker fans were either out on Riley from the jump or extremely skeptical from the jump. So Riley walked into a really toxic environment where the vast majority of the Husker fans either didn't want him or were very skeptical of him. Keep in mind, he also had to walk into a locker room where there were a lot of guys that wanted Bo to continue to be the head coach, were fiercely loyal to Bo. Did not want to see a coaching change. So he had to win over the locker room as well. And then when you add to the the fact that Bo Pelini had won nine games or more for seven straight years, whoo, baby. You have yourself a really tough situation to deal with in year one for Riley. Anything less than nine wins was going to get met with anger. And you had to win over the fans who didn't really want you and the players who wanted to see Bo still be there. Not to mention the athletic director that hired him, Sean Eichhorst, was about as popular as a mosquito bite at the time. So yeah, Mike Riley's year one situation Good luck with all that. It was not good, and it didn't go well. It didn't go well. Riley had a tough year one, man. That was a tough first year to navigate. So then Riley gets fired, and here comes Scott Frost. 2018 and you know you y'all know how this was frost rode in on his white horse as a savior golden boy wood river nebraskan former national championship winning quarterback he was the national coach of the year at central florida when i defeated at central florida i mean this was like out of a fairy tale disney movie the state of nebraska and the fan base was euphoric that's how i would describe it euphoric the introductory press conference for scott frost was like a wedding ceremony and the entire first offseason was like the wedding reception. And then year one was initially like the honeymoon. And even though Nebraska started out 0-6 in year one under frost in his first year, my analogy at the time was like Nebraska fans, they got rain every day on their honeymoon in Jamaica at the resort. So, you know, people were upset, but not really, you know? Like, imagine you're on a honeymoon, you're with your, you're, you're with your your new bride, your new, your new husband or whatever. And you're, you know, you just got married. You're on a high. You're in Jamaica, but it's raining. You're like, ah, oh, shit, this sucks. But hey, baby, I still love you. And we're at, we're at a resort. This is great. Life's great. That's how the first year was. You, even when you're going 0 and 6, you're like, ah, shoot. Oh, yeah, Scott Frost. I love you. Come here, baby. Let's drink some Corona's and watch the sunset into the rain. Can't be out there, but Whatever. Like, that's what it felt like. So, I mean, again, people were like, I'm not saying that people were like excited that Nebraska was losing, but were people upset? I mean, not really. So, I mean, yeah, Frost's year one situation was about as big of a, of a cakewalk as you could imagine walking into. Like, now, I will say this, in fairness to him, he did inherit a situation of, of Riley where the culture was not good. The, I think the roster wasn't great. Um, I think the, the, the recruiting issues had reared its ugly head. Like, the talent was not very good. So, there, there were elements of, like, Frost's situation that he inherited that were, were with the roster that were not good. But when you when you take the temperature of like, hey, fan base, how they're reacting, expectations, how everyone viewed you in that first year, it's hard to imagine a better year one scenario to walk into. Everything kind of not football related, right? And I've heard, I think it was Sipple said this, and I kind of agree with him. In hindsight, I think one of the mistakes or one of the issues for fans and maybe even Scott Frost himself initially was everyone was too caught up in the euphoric honeymoon fairy tale story of Frost being back. And Nebraska, everyone involved, maybe needed to have some more urgency right away. Like, that's where there's a fine line of, like, got to give this guy a long a runway, a long runway, but, like, at some point that plane's got to take off. And it was like... You guys ever flown into this isn't really a runway, but you fly into Denver. There's just like I feel like you drive for like 25 minutes before you get to like you taxi forever before you get back to like the airport. If you land in Denver like that was like, oh, let's give him a runway where he's just going to be on the runway for 30 minutes. Like yeah, at some point, planes got to get up in the air. There could have been a little bit more urgency to get that thing up. But it's hard to know that in the moment to defend me and everybody that was involved, because everyone and I mean, everyone thought Scott Frost was the answer, thought he was the guy, thought he was the savior. So people acted and reacted accordingly. So Frost maybe had a really easy year one situation. Um, I don't even really remember what, if any, expectations there were for U1. Uh, I know for me, like this was how I kind of approached it the whole time. Like I was so confident and sure that Frost will will get it going eventually that I, I didn't really care if Nebraska didn't make a bowl game in year one. And I think most fans kind of felt like I did. There was such a feeling of confidence and total belief that Frost would get it rolling eventually that any expectations in the short term kind of felt like unnecessary drama at the time. Like, what are you worried about? You know, if someone were to walk in like, hey, man, they, they better they better get to seven wins this year. People would be like, Psh, dude, you have a beer, relax. What are you worried about? Frost is here. He'll get it going eventually. Yeah. Uh, like that's what that was the vibe. Pfft, come on, Bill, calm down. Give McCure's light. Relax. It's frost. What do you think? This is not gonna work? Come on. It'll work. <laughs> like that sums it up perfectly. So that's a pretty good situation to walk into if you're frost. Sure. Roster needed to work. Needed, you know, culture needed to get flipped, all that stuff. But in terms of pressure and all that stuff, it's kind of like, yeah. It's kind of how you frame year one for Frost. So then we get to the moment with Matt Rule taking over Scott Frost. Matt Rule has taken over a situation that, at least in the moment, does feel like rock bottom for the program. This feels like rock bottom. Now, I might record a podcast in 10 years and be like, you know what people thought in the moment? They thought Frost was rock bottom. <laughs> it was this. But in the moment, all we can do is operate in the here and the now. And in the here and the now, this feels like rock bottom. Right? The savior failed. The guy that everyone thought was the answer wasn't the answer. Five straight losing seasons. Now, six straight years with no bowl game, not good. And Nebraska fans have been through quite a bit. They've had their heart, their hearts broken quite a bit. Seen coaches come and go and fail and leave. All that takes a toll. And where it has absolutely taken a toll is in the expectation department. Husker fans have been humbled with what to expect or hope for each year. Callahan shows up, ah, you got a team that's built around the option and you're trying to run the West Coast offense. Okay, you know, I think you should still win eight or nine games. It's like, oh, man. Bo shows up. It's like, ah, happy you're here, but I mean, we win titles here, big dog. Nine wins, that's where the bar is. Right. Riley shows up, it's like, we just fired a guy that won nine games every year. So uh, that's where the bar starts, big fella. Ross shows up, it's, you know, everybody's so excited that it's going to get going eventually. But nevertheless, people felt like it was absolutely going to get going. But so over the years, all these coaches coming and failing, coming and failing, coming and failing, taking a toll on that expectation department. I mean, you tell me, has the, has the bar ever been lower right now? Expectations, in my opinion, have never been lower than they are right now. Just get to a bowl game. Look competent. And fans will be satisfied. That's that's the bar that Rule is tasked with clearing. That's a pretty low bar. Just go play hard. Look organized. Look well coached. Don't shit your pants in the fourth quarter of every close game. Win six games. Get to a bowl game. That's Rule's year one to-do list. That's a fairly doable year one. And I'd say Matt Rule has been met with pretty widespread support for the most part, right? I mean, nobody will get the kind of – if the if the bar is Frost in that reception and all this stuff, well, no one's going to come short of that or everybody's going to come short of that, right? Like, nobody will get the kind of reception and support that Frost got when he arrived. But I'd say Rule is in that Polini area of reception, maybe even a little higher, I don't know. Eh, Maybe not quite as, but like right in right him and Bo are similar. Because if you think back to the coaching search to replacing Frost. Remember, there wasn't an obvious home run. That's the guy candidate out there. Some people like Lance Leipold. Some people like Chris Kleiman. Some people wanted Mickey Joseph to keep the job. There, There just wasn't a ton of no brainer, obvious guys out there. But Matt Rule was always right at the top of the list and at the center of the conversation throughout that entire couple-month-long process. And when Matt Rule got named the head coach, it took five minutes of the introductory press conference for a lot of Husker fans to be like, oh, wow, I like this guy. He feels like a Nebraskan. He feels like Nebraska. So his approval rating has been pretty good from the start. And I think he's only everything he's done since that point has only increased it. Now the roster he's inheriting, nah, not not awful, not great. Um, the culture he's inheriting, certainly some issues there. Uh, maybe got some some mental issues with with close games and all those sorts of things. But I think when you think about the approval of Rule, and and you think about the low bar of expectations, maybe the lowest in the history of the program. you got to go back to like when Bob Devaney took over. I actually think Matt Rule's year one of what he's walking into isn't bad when pitted against some of the previous coaches and their year ones at Nebraska. So that's how I'd kind of frame the year one conversation. I'd say Rule's year one compared to past coaches. Approval from the fans, pretty good. Pretty good for Rule. Expectations, incredibly manageable. Roster inherited, not great, but certainly not completely terrible either. I don't know if there isn't a Sue on the roster, um, but there's some talent. I think overall, other than Frost, for obvious reasons, you could make a case this is the best year one situation a Nebraska coach has had when you combine everything together. So there you go. That's how I, I view the year ones and compare them to, for rule, and compare them to other coaches. Year ones, baby, always interesting. Always. <laughs> a heard at Sports Network production.